Hello, and welcome to On the Irregular with me, Java Barrow, a podcast where I chat to women from all walks of life about their own unique creative journey, how they got here, how their story has shaped their creative work, what they've learned, what has helped them, and where they plan to go from here. It's an irregular journey for so many of us, and I am delighted to offer a platform to share these fascinating stories and wells of wisdom. This week, I'm chatting to TV camera operator and photographer Lindsay Harris. As a camera op, Lindsay has worked on productions such as Coronation Street, Wimbledon, and in my opinion, the most exciting of all, Stars in Their Eyes. When she's not filming, Lindsay captures the world around her with her camera and a sharp documentary eye, honing in on the moments we often miss. We talk about growing up as a mixed-race child in an all-white council estate in Birmingham, the film that was the catalyst for her pursuing a career in visuals, and being a woman in an industry historically dominated by white men. A large theme was the internal battle between her drive and passion and often debilitating anxiety and imposter syndrome. May I introduce to you my dear friend and one of the odd parents to our children, Lindsay Harris. A warning, this episode contains expletives. (laughs) (laughs) I've got my tea, I've got my water, I'm ready. (laughs) Good, good. Would you like to start at the beginning in Birmingham in what year? Were you born? Uh, when I was born, uh, 76, 45 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> um, and do you want to talk me through a bit about your growing up, your family and what that was like? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm the oldest of five and uh, we grew up in uh, affordable housing in Birmingham. Um, my mum and dad, they had a bit of a, <clears throat> a funny start in life, I suppose. They my dad was born in Jamaica. He came over when he was 14 um, and came to a life that was already set out. His mum and dad had other siblings, uh, other children and his siblings yet to get to know and stuff. Um, and my mum grew up in a convent um, and she was there till she was about I don't know, 12, 11, something like that. But they both ended up leaving home when they were 16. Um, and living in these kind of affordable housing above it. My mum lived above him and um, they met. And the way they talk about their life at that time is just really inspiring, actually. You know, I think about a 16-year-old and what I was like at 16, (laughs) there's no way I could could, uh, live alone. So they did that and they met and they had me when they were 20, which is quite young, really. Um, and they were just kind of trying to make a way for themselves in the world, really. Um, my dad became a mechanic and my mum looked after us. And yeah, so we, we grew up there. And then when I, so that was the area that we lived in up until I was about seven. It was quite a, a multi, kind of diverse area, really, really kind of multiple ethnicities and people from all different walks of life but affordable housing and then when I was seven my mum and dad kind of wanted a better life really um, and kind of applied for an estate um, which was a bit further out of Birmingham on the outskirts of Birmingham Um, and that was a council estate and I grew up there but it, it was a bit of a culture shock really because it was a very a very white area um, and 
my brother and I, he, my brother was kind of four at that point. He started school. I was at school. Um, and it was just it was just a culture shock in many ways, really. I don't I, don't, I can't really explain it. It was it was a very white area for one, um, which we weren't used to. We, there was like I don't remember seeing any black or brown faces at all, like. And it was just like, oh, wow. And I think my dad was pretty much the only black person on the estate at the time. It was a bit weird, really. And, you know, at school, I struggled. It was a different different system there, I think, um, in terms of schooling. Um, just a different setup. I felt like there was more creative elements at the school that I was at before. Um, I was learning piano and doing different arty type stuff. and. And then we kind of came to this school and it felt a bit dry, really, and a bit just very different. Um, and we experienced some issues with racism and, you know, I, my brother got into a lot of fights. I, I struggled to make friends and, yeah, it was just, it was, it was a pretty hard time, actually. I mean, we, eventually we settled in and it was fine, you know, obviously, but still when I look back, of photographs of that time when I was at school, like school trips and stuff. I kind of cringe because I am the only black face on the photos. And, and I just, I look so uncomfortable. <laughs> I look so uncomfortable as a nine-year-old in, in my skin. And it, it, yeah, I find it quite hard to look at those photos really. Um, and think about some of that time but you know generally my childhood was you know kind of lovely and I think about summer times and being on bikes and being out with friends and things and once all that settled it was fine you know mm -hmm. wow and so you said a bit about like um because I asked you you know what what was your dream when you were growing up and you gave me the most diverse list of professions <laughs> Yeah, I was a dreamer. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. Like, I think I went from, I think I put on there, from air hostess at one point. God knows why. I think I just wanted to travel. I just wanted to be anywhere else, you know, and kind of used to dream about different countries and things like that. And we didn't, when I was young, we didn't really go on holidays abroad. We didn't, I didn't experience that. Um, we just about kind of went for days out, really, until a certain point. And then we'd go you know, caravan holidays and UK holidays and whatever, but I'd never, well, I never went on a plane till I was, I'm ashamed to say, 20, I think, maybe 20, maybe 18, something like that. So, yeah, I think that's where the air hostess thing came from. Um, and I can't remember, what, what else was on there? I can't no, remember. Air hostess, lawyer, copper, um, <laughs> and, you know, all angles. Yeah. yeah, all angles. Yeah, I like a little bit of travel. I want to help people. You know, um, yeah. Singer songwriter. That was another one. A singer song. Yeah, just you know, just small. Think small, Lindsay. You know, don't uh, think too big. Yeah, I don't know. I just and also at some point I wanted to act, um, and I didn't have the confidence to do that. And somebody tried to, um, a friend of the family tried to get me into this um, kind of local drama. Um, not school it was more like a club really but there have been a few actors that have come out of that and you know and I just was petrified I was absolutely petrified I couldn't couldn't go I couldn't walk in there like I just saw all these children and I couldn't do it 
Um, but it was still something that I really wanted to do. And, you know, I, I grew up in a very um, TV household. So TV was a big, a big part of my life, really. And, you know, I would see other children on Grain Chill or whatever and kind of want to be that. But, um, yeah, I don't think that was for me. I, I did a few a few stints in um, plays at school um, and that was quite good. I really enjoyed that. But I, and I, I actually, thinking back now, I don't know why I didn't carry on with that because I really enjoyed it. And I got all my family at one point, my nan, my aunts, everybody to come to this school play and uh, they loved it. But oh, that's yeah. So lovely. I didn't know that about you. That's so <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's not something, I don't know. It's kind of like, I think it was more about just wanting to be in TV and film, really, rather than acting. I don't, I don't know. I yeah. just. It was, I, I guess, it's a kind of an accessible way of being part of that world and telling those stories, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I don't tell. This, I don't. I don't know whether to tell this story, but <laughs> oh, um, you have to. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do now. My my partner only found this out a couple of couple of uh, years ago, but. This is how inaccessible the TV industry was to me. That, by uh, in order to work in it, this is what I did to try and get into TV, rather than just I don't know going on a course or something. But I, <laughs> do you remember the program, The Big Breakfast? Yeah. Well, towards the end of The Big Breakfast, um, they were auditioning. They did like a, a national audition for a weather person. <laughs> I was like I can do that no experience in weather no interest in weather absolutely no experience in presenting but I went to the audition and um it was in Birmingham it's a massive audition it's all these singers and bloody presenters and actors like people singing in the halls and stuff like that just me like from a council state just like yeah I can do this and I got in there Java I couldn't speak like literally no words came out like in front of this guy and a weather board didn't know anything and it was just, I don't know why I did it. It was just like the worst How, how old were you? <laughs> About 18 or something. Oh my God. You see, what I love about this is that like, you know, you've talked about like your lack in confidence in certain areas, but then yes. it's like blind kind <laughs> yeah. of determination. I like, I'm going to be so a weather person. Like I channeled this like crazy person who was just like crazy confident and like, yeah, and had all this experience. Like I had no experience like zero experience like the only experience I had presenting was like being in the bath and present presenting pretending to present at like 10 I don't know like <laughs> what was I thinking I don't know oh, I love that you know what it was actually one of my dream jobs as a child to be a weather person oh really yeah oh yeah if I'd known about that bloody audition <laughs> <laughs> and so then so like so going through school how isn't you were saying that like the school before had felt more creative and then this you know the one that you went then went to felt dry so that kind of indicates that you already had an inkling that you were interested in more creative areas and that you saying that you really enjoyed tv and you mentioned mtv as well yeah. um and so that you know i guess but did you just it seemed like it was possibly an option for you yeah you feel like I mean, it was an option i think i think to towards i suppose when I think about that school, 
everything was music driven. There was a big choir that I was part of. I was learning piano. I was learning different instruments. And this is like six or seven, you know, um, and I loved it. And we didn't have those opportunities at the new school, really. And I, well, if we did, I don't remember. I think the only time I remember singing was singing in assembly. And um, and maybe we had, did we have, I, think I had a French teacher, French teacher in junior school. And we learn to sing a song in French, you know, um, a few different songs. But I don't remember learning an instrument or anything like that. And it, it's weird. It's almost like if I didn't learn it at school, then I didn't think that I could possibly learn that in my own time or just kind of teach myself an instrument. I don't know. It, it didn't seem to kind of penetrate in that way. I don't know. And maybe I did, just didn't have those those role models around me that were doing those things in their spare time. So I kind of thought that was accessible to me. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a huge part. I think, you know, seeing if, if you see people around you doing that, then it's, it feels like mm. a possibility. But if you don't, well, I guess, where would you even begin in a way? Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Um, although music was such a big part of our ho household, you know, my dad had such a, an eclectic collection of music from reggae to I don't know, part of like, and my mum listened to like Rod Stewart and the Nolans and stuff like that, you know, like <laughs> it was really eclectic and I loved music. Music was like a massive part of my childhood. Like it was always on. My dad had a, always had the f first one to have a record player or, you know, um, a VHS recorder and stuff like that. He was always the first with technology and things. So um, it was such a massive part of my life. I don't, I don't really know why I didn't kind of carry on with that, but I knew that music was quite a big part of my life. And, and then obviously, <laughs> like I said, MTV came into play um, in the nineties and that, that was it. I just, it just changed my life. <laughs> and I know that sounds really ridiculous, but it actually did, you know, not only could you hear the music, you could see it and see the artists see behind the scenes of television which I'd never seen before um and I just fell in love with it and I think seeing things like I don't know everything from Notorious B.I.G to Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit um video that that met, had a massive impact on me you know I see that video of Nirvana's um I kind of think about that time and how excited I was, you know, watching those things. And um, because I think after that, I just, I fell in love with the idea of the music industry, I think, and kind of wanted to work within that. And, and I think I, I kind of said this um, to you, um, that I then, when I was working in, a really dry job <laughs> when I left school I um I then went on a, onto an evening course um for audio engineering um I didn't do well in my GCSEs or anything like that so I kind of had to find another way to well actually I wasn't even doing it to go to university I was doing it just for me because I just needed something else and wanted to learn something else um, and so what was your what was your dry job because you had a few you had several yeah, dry jobs. I had a few, yeah. Um, <laughs> the last one was debt collecting of all things yeah I wanted to help people 
but I got into a debt collecting job for about four years, which was um, horrendous. So, wow. Yeah. That um, was, we must have learned a lot of skills talking mm, to people. Yeah. A lot of it was counselling, really. You know, it was over the phone and people would like cry, you know, they, they would actually cry or, you know, need help. And, you know, I found it really, really difficult. Um, to hit targets you know and stuff like that you know it's just like oh these are actually people and yeah I find it really difficult but I kind of stuck it out for quite a while but I think the thing that made me stick it out more than anything was um during my time there we had um a project where um <clears throat> we work for a client in another city so we went to Leeds and basically all of the offices from from our organization so there was like edinburgh manchester birmingham that's it um and we all there was a select few people who kind of had the chance to go on this project um and stay in a hotel in leeds do split shifts for this client um it was basically credit control just like kind of collecting debts before they go to a debt collecting um situation um really boring but fucking hell it was fun oh my <laughs> Oh my God. It was like, <laughs> that was my university really. I was, yeah. I was 19, I think 20, maybe 19, 20. Um, and, um, my God, we had fun and we'd stay in each other's rooms and listen to music and talk about, art, you know, talk about art, talk about everything really. And just kind of, it was, I met my first girlfriend there. It was amazing. Like it was a really amazing experience. Wow. Um, sounds like a playground oh it was amazing it, it, I can't I really can't explain it like when I went to university I was actually like oh this is quite boring <laughs> 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 um, but yeah I met my first girlfriend there and you know kind of spent some time in Edinburgh on the back of that and just uh, I guess learning meeting different people you know I suppose up until that point I'd lived not, not a sheltered life but I hadn't met a lot of people from different cities or, you know, who were into different genres of music necessarily, or, you know, and you just kind of put together in this hotel with lots of different people. And, and yeah, I just learned a lot. I think I learned a lot of life skills and, and a lot about myself during that time. And do you think it gave you a confidence to then pursue other, other paths? Yeah. I think that on the back of that, when that project finished, it went on for about, I think it was about 18 months or something. Uh, and we were all gutted. It was just like the ending of, you know, life. <laughs> um, and on the back of that, I think I pretty much then enrolled on a night course because I just, I needed something else. I couldn't carry on doing what I was doing. Um, I did the night course, um, did that for a year and really enjoyed that and thought, right, what do I do now? I could go on another course. Oh, there's a media course at the same college. Thought about that. It was full time. Mm, could I do that? Decided to do it. Sacked off my job. <clears throat> um, worked evenings. Did that full time. And then I think it was during that course, I kind of fell in love with visuals and, and my love of, well, it was kind of the two together, really, the two combined, music and visuals, but I kind of started falling in love with camera work and cinematography, really. Um, we we kind of 
we went out on a, 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 I don't know, a college day out to a, a local independent cinema, which I'd never been to before. I'd never been to anything but a multiplex, really, um, or experienced anything but, you know, big blockbuster films. And, and we went to see a film called The Rat Catcher um, by Lynn Ramsey. And I don't know if you've ever seen it. But I don't it, think I have. Oh, Java, you have to see it. I mean, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe there's been films made since that, you know, probably it doesn't have the same impact, but it fucking blew my mind. Wow. And I can't tell you, it just, I, I, I'd never seen anything like it, I guess. And, and that was it. <laughs> I was just yeah. in love, really. Wow. Wow. That's, I love those moments. I love those like one piece of artwork or one moment, one day that your kind of your life just pivots. <laughs> Yeah, and it really did, you know, just, I mean, it's it's really grim. It's a really grim film, but I don't think I'd seen anything on the big screen that depicted poverty and living in a certain way, you know, on a certain, in a certain kind of class or, but the visuals on top of that were just like, they're just stunning. Like for her debut film, and the fact that she was a female director, I'd never heard of a female director before at that point. It was a first film and I was just like, fucking hell, I want that. I want to do that, yeah. you know. And at this point, I hadn't even thought about university. It wasn't, it's not something that was even, in my mind, accessible to me or, or just like something that I would do or people around me did really necessarily, you know. Um, but I did a temp job. Um, another job that I absolutely hated in an office and there was a girl there also doing a kind of summer job and um, she'd taken a few years out she was a bit younger than me still but um, I think at this point I was 23 um, and she was going to university and she was kind of like she really pushed me she was like you've done this course now like you can do this like you can you could actually go to university if you wanted to you don't have to carry on doing these jobs and and it really made me think. And I was just like, oh, maybe I could. And I spoke to my tutors and things and, and I did it. I kind of enrolled in a few places, got a lot of knockbacks because I didn't have, I wanted to do quite a practical course. Um, obviously, you know, being camera work or, you know, kind of technical elements of TV and film. Um, and I didn't have the physics and maths, um, which is really annoying. And then I uh, kind of took my, I don't know, fifth choice, uh, Salford University. So I went <laughs> And if you hadn't gone to Salford, we may have never met. No, exactly. Yes. That's where you met John. Yeah. And uh, I had a great time there as well. But. Wow. Yeah. And so when you were, um, when you were there, did you have an idea of of kind of how you were going to come out and, and work, get, move into the industry? Because yeah. were, there, were there many female camera ops? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was, um, actually, when I went to my interview, um, she's quite um, notorious, actually, but I'm not going to mention her name, but there was um, a tutor, um, a female tutor who used to work in the industry, and um, 
she was very negative she put everybody off and kind of say I don't know why you're applying for this you might as well just like you might as well do something else because you're never going to get anywhere <laughs> just, like everyone like <laughs> that like, sounds like me talking to wannabe actors <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. do something yeah, else yeah. anything else <laughs> yeah just do anything else yeah um and for some reason I still carried on and, and actually you know in some ways she was kind of perfectly right you know it is hard and it isn't easy and everyone goes into courses and into the industry thinking oh, I'm going to be a director or I'm going to be this I'm going to be that and actually it doesn't often happen you know so I think it was just it was a bit extreme but she was just kind of you know making sure everyone had got their expectations in the right place really I think. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was a great course. And, uh, you know, I, I think even still at that point, I didn't, I didn't really believe that I'd be a camera operator. I knew I wanted to work in the industry. I knew I had a love for um, uh, <clears throat> visuals and stuff like that. But there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of boys on the course who were a lot more confident than me, knew a lot more than me, apparently. And, you know, they they would always kind of veer towards cameras or, you know, like kind of the rock star roles in university, you know, kind of yeah. uh, projects and stuff. So, um, yeah, I still kind of didn't know at that point, really. Um, I think that was more about confidence more than anything, to be honest. I knew what I was interested in. I knew, you know, I ended up doing my dissertation on, certain types of cameras and when I did that I did my report based on um, a satellite channel at Granada TV so well it's not wow (laughs) it's not necessarily wow I don't even know Uh, what a satellite channel is well the satellite channel that I kind of did it for was Men and Motors Java (laughs) yeah you know what that consists of um actually it was more about the motors when I went to it but uh, yeah it's like (laughs) kind of car program um what a choice what an yeah, interesting yeah, choice yeah it was either that or news really or something you know like that but um mm-hmm. so it was more about the cameras that they were using and um the way in which they used them so I kind of did that and went out with them did a bit of voluntary work I guess on the back of that or you know as well as doing my dissertation I was kind of like you know working for free as well and it was great fun you know they were great to me and and really helpful but on the back of that, I kind of veered, well, kind of engineered it. So I, I got some free work in Granada TV, not just the satellite channel. And okay. uh, my first job as an assistant, a very nervous assistant, was on Stars in Their Eyes. <gasps> <laughs> Lindsay, that is the most exciting fact I've ever heard about you. <laughs> it was amazing. Like, I walked in, there's like Cat Deedy there and, you know, like kind of, and all these cameramen that just like obviously been doing it for a long time and now all of them are my colleagues but wow. you know, just very nervous and the the guy the guy that I work with very often now um the first thing he said to me is do you know how to eat a cable I was like no <laughs> I don't know what that is what is it and it was just like literally putting a cable into a figure of eight that's it so yeah. it's easy it's like an easy thing I didn't even know that and that's like rule number one and he was so sweet, actually, and he's a really nice guy. He just just showed me, didn't say anything, just showed me how to do it, really showed me the ropes. And it's like this big studio, big light, you know, smoke everywhere. It's like great. Um, wow. So, yeah, 
That must have been so exciting. It was really exciting. And, you know, this was one of the programmes that, you know, I would watch with my parents or with my friends or whatever, just like, oh, I'd love to be on Stars and Rise. If only I'd sing and then I'd go on, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, and just watched it all, you know, every single series of it. So to be on it, it was just like crazy, really. <laughs> it's just like yeah. really crazy. Yeah. Oh, wow. So then how did things progress from there? I think at that point, Granada didn't really have like assistance as such. It was like um, I was in the kind of stagehand department. So I was like with the blokes, you know, <laughs> they yeah. didn't really have like designated assistance. So I was going to ask you about that because you were saying, you know, there were lots of boys at uni. So hmm. I imagine, was that, was it a mainly male? Um, yeah. I mean, work? I I can't, I don't think I can recall one female operator at that point wow mm. no actually there was one one woman on um on another show coronation street but yeah that that she was literally the only person and how did it stand up in terms of diversity mm, no wow so a bunch yeah. of white men yeah yeah pretty much and you know it has it has got a lot better you know um more so with um IT, you know, ITV and other kind of channels down down south. There's more diversity there, mm-hmm. but it, I mean, it's it's much much better now. You know, I kind of, but you know, still, it's it's really interesting that you talk about. You know, you often talk about your lack in confidence or imposter syndrome, and you know, all of these. That I know, you know, so many of us feel, but I feel like you know, you really carry the weight of it. But then you've put yourself in situations that. To, to me sound really like out of your comfort zone mm. which would suggest some kind of inner confidence and you know feeling like well it's your right to be there or stupidity <laughs> <laughs> just throw myself into situations that I can't cope with but I obviously can cope with but yeah really can, yeah. yeah I mean there must be something there you know I, I kind of imposter syndrome I feel that this is kind of followed me throughout my life really I just kind of but yeah it's weird it's like I want that thing but at the same time it's like like even you saying that then it's that is just me being lucky it's just luck you know they didn't have anyone else or they're a bit desperate or you know whatever I don't know like that that's what it's yeah goes on in my mind it's not it's not it's not necessarily down to my skill base, really. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you think that every single thing in your whole career is down to luck, luck, and that there was just always a worse option than you. Hmm. Yeah. In what is that like twenty years, a twenty-year career? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's really likely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is crazy, isn't it? Like when you actually think about it, and I, I kind of talk to my friends sometimes and talk about, you know, how I got where I am and. And it is, it, it is silly. It, I mean, I, I don't want to kind of put myself down, but it is, it is silly. Like, obviously it's based on skill. It must be based on skill. It's based on something, you know, and I, I'm not, I'm sure I wasn't always the best option. You know, there's always, there's always someone better than you. There's always someone younger than you, more confident than you or whatever, but maybe people saw something else in me. Um at times you know maybe my personality or whatever you know I kind of 
I think I get by on my personality more than my skill base. And I think that's what goes on in my mind more than anything is that I'm good with people. So therefore, because I get on with you, like that's yeah. why you've me. That is also a huge part of work though. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. we it's easy to dismiss that, but I think it's a really huge element because however skilled somebody might be, if you can't work with them, then it's pointless. Mm, totally, you know? totally. So I think that is actually a really strong mm. attribute. Yeah, but I think, I don't know, there's something in me as a woman um, and as a person of colour, I kind of feel like, no, no, I want it to be based on my skill. I want to be better. <laughs> I want yeah. to be better than those people, you know. Yeah. Um, and I that's what you I mean. Find. But I mean, you've you've worked on some really quite high profile. I mean, you've yeah. worked on Coronation Street, Lindsay. <laughs> That's very important to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And I think you know, to give myself credit, I think it's it's only in the past few years. You know, I've had a bit of therapy and well, quite a bit of therapy, and and kind of try to understand the way in which my mind works in that way, and and kind of just work through that, I guess, and. And, you know, talking to people and, and just doing the job, you know, I, I am, I think I decided at a certain point, right, Lindsay, you've got to stop saying no to stuff in your mind, you know, or or putting barriers in the way. Just do it. Just see what happens. Do it. And that is actually the only way that I've progressed. And in the past few years, I've seen that progression. And, you know, I work on live shows. I work on, you know, quite fairly high pressured stuff, I guess. And you know, I think it's only now that I believe that I I am I am in the role that I should be, or you know, I, I am doing this. So, you know, this is uh, yeah, I'm a camera operator, but I still have massive, massive problems with when people say what do you do for a living. I'm just like, oh, I work in TV, and just like mumble. I don't, I don't, I don't really like showing off about it. I don't do that. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Um, why, why is it why why is that you know I, I was thinking about this when I was kind of before I came on and just I don't know I just um I don't know whether there's nothing been nothing in my in my background or you know kind of like where you have to keep yourself small or not show off or anything like that I mean my dad's a massive show off my brother's <laughs> a massive show off like it's in in our family but I just um I don't know really it must be a confidence thing or... Yeah, do you not want to make people feel... Do you not want to draw attention to yourself? Because there is a thing... I remember talking to Emma Crompton about this in an episode hmm. um, in the first season. She was talking about the status that just working in TV or film brings. Yeah. As soon as you say that you work in that, people go, ooh, hmm. you know, which is possibly different to other professions. You know, you Absolutely. don't really get that reaction. Much to my partner's uh, annoyance when we're anywhere. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Somebody asks her what she does and then asks me, oh, right, right, what do you, what do you work on? And it's just like, bye-bye, yeah. <laughs> not speaking to you anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, no, there is, there is a massive kind of status with it, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I feel a massive amount of pride, yeah. you know, and I, I don't often let myself feel that, but I do feel it. And, you know, to a certain extent, being a freelancer and working in this industry, it's a massive part of my identity and my ego. Yeah. And that's quite a difficult thing to balance, really. 
um, when you're asked for and you're working constantly and constantly and you can't say no. And, and I've realized recently that it kind of taps into my ego in a lot of ways, like, oh, I'm being asked for, oh, you know, yeah. oh. but actually I'm not doing that work-life balance thing. And yeah. I kind of need to find a way of living a bit more harmoniously that way, you know. Um, because... Do you think that you're, because um, of course, you know, you're, you've always been to visual, visuals and photography and it feels like you've kind of take, been taking that a lot more seriously over the last few years. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you think that's part of trying to find that balance? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I, I do love my job, but I think, I think sometimes I, you know, like everybody needs change and, and, and I think, you know, I think with my job, it is creative and it is, um, uh, it's, it, there's a lot of adrenaline involved in it and stuff like that. But I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I need something for me really. Um, and I think I've always been interested in photography, but never really taken that seriously in terms of buying a proper camera, just like iPhones or, you know, like kind of point and shoot cameras and things just because it's easier. Um, and I think it was only during lockdown actually that I was able to think about just, just take time out, you know, like everybody had to, <laughs> like I, I didn't, there was nothing else to think about. Um, and I did um, a couple of photography courses. I just thought, right, well, there's nothing, else to do I need to keep my mind going and and maybe maybe have something in the pipeline or something else to fall back on in the future um but mainly just for my pleasure really and just to just to see what came of it mm. um and I did a couple of uh, one course with the Melias um who you, you know of and um and that was amazing I really really enjoyed that I did that with my partner actually um she's quite into photography and fairly talented as well but again didn't take that route and kind of lacks confidence but we both did that and got a lot from it and then uh, I went on another two courses actually with uh, your good friend Laura mm -hmm. Laura Adams and and I think that at that point it was a bit of a, a switch for me really um, I think she even though photography and and video or television, you know, video cameras are very, very similar. Um, there's differences. I, I don't come from a stills background, so I learned a lot about stills photography, you know, technically and stuff. And there was just a lot of depth to her, to her um, course. And I just learned a lot, but mainly I think it was about the community that I met there. You know, there's a lot of amazing people on there that, I just it was just so uplifting I think you know and it and I don't want to kind of say that you know it was that way because of my ego you know like oh yeah you know got loads of praise for different photos or whatever but it was a bit of that and it was just I, th I think I think I'm I'm in an industry that it's not that ruthless actually people think it's ruthless and it's just a bit you know kind of um <laughs> Ruthless and cutthroat. Cutthroat, that's it. That's the one. But it's not actually. I've, my experience of it has been really, really good. And um, I've worked with some really fantastic people who uplift you. But I think this was just uplifting in a different way. And the pressure was off. And I got to know what my 
what my eye was really because you know working on the shows that I work on a lot of them are really established shows you don't get chance to necessarily put your own take on it or be creative in that way it's it's more technical you know um and with photography it's all about you you know whatever you want to take a picture of whatever you feel like that day your mood kind of impacts on it you know the light anything anything and I just I got so much from it you know just kind of going out for days and just taking pictures and mainly of shopping trolleys as you know um, <laughs> yeah um, no I, one takes a photo of a shopping trolley like you could, Lindsay. <laughs> I mean I quickly realized on this course that I was very different to a lot of people on the course um, <laughs> in terms of photography um, and yeah I think in some ways that made me feel a little bit like oh god you know a lot of people from the course have gone on to start businesses or go into wedding photography and stuff like that and uh I'm not really sure that's for me but I'm still trying to find what it is um that is you have quite a documentary style don't mm -hmm. you and yeah like makes me think quite often of like Martin Parr yeah exactly yeah and he's a massive influence you know like I love that kind of I just I love that storytelling through yeah. just everyday things just everyday situations I love it um and, you know, obviously I've got an interest in the working class and stuff like that. So that that's where my photography kind of goes, really. Just the beautiful things that exist just in every day, I suppose. Um, and yeah. just those things that kind of go missed, you know, those little shafts of light or those little kind of shadows on a building that no one, well, you know, some people see, a lot of people see, <laughs> but, um, you know, just kind of capturing that because it, you know, when the when the sun goes in, that's gone. <laughs> that's yeah. that's it. It's gone. And you're just kind of documenting that and just seeing that for that moment and having that moment. I just uh, really, yeah, I'm really into it. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. And it made me think you're talking about the storytelling and because you and I share a passion for TV mm -hmm. and we're often talking about shows that we're watching and going into depth about it and. So that makes sense, you know, you're saying about how you grew up and TV was a really big part of, you know, what you did as a family and and the stories within that. And then you went on to work, like you say, you know, as a, in debt collection and then you were hearing stories, people's stories. Yeah, yeah. And, and now your way of channeling and telling those stories is through, through your camera. Mm. And I think and, it's always been a bit about stories, actually, when I... When I look back, like when I was a kid, I didn't really like being around other kids. Like I wanted to be around adults and talk, like talk to them, you know, and that's what I enjoyed. Like just I found kids a bit boring, I suppose, like a little bit. I wanted to be one of the adults. And I think I think that's a similar thing. Like I, even in my jobs, you know, they were boring. What's the word? You know what I mean? <laughs> I just like that. It's just not a chambermaid. Like, oh my god, I was by myself. I hated it. Like cleaning other people's crap. No, thank you. <laughs> Put me in a restaurant or a bar and speak to people every day. Great. You know, I just, I got, you know, I got a lot from that. I get loads from, you know, there's that thing of filling your glass. You know, if you're around people and you kind of fill your glass with, you know, yeah. stories and, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so, and, it, and it's always been a theme, I think, you know, even at work now, you know, you've got to get a lot of downtime and just like, sometimes I feel like I interview people, but I just, I'm just so interested in people and their, their situations or stories really. Um, and to- yeah, I think that, yeah, I, I think that's what probably something that we share and why I always love talking to you because I think we're both quite inquisitive about things mm. and, and yeah, and kind of dissecting and breaking things down and yeah. finding the story and things. Yeah. And I just find it interesting, you know, and, and that's another thing, you know, with, with the confidence element, like my partner always says to me, like, you know, you go on about your confidence, but you can go into a bar and you just like chat to people and I was like, well, I don't really see that as confident. Like, I'm actually interested. I'm interested in that person in that moment, you know. Um, so-, and so then any kind of doubts is just just drops away because you're too distracted in a way. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And, and being in that moment, you kind of don't think about it too much, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose in photography, when I'm out taking photographs or chatting to people in Blackpool, when they're asking me what I'm doing or whatever, I'm just like in that moment there's no there's no there's no ego and there's no there's no self-awareness I guess I'm just in that moment it's just and that's you. what I love about it I think and don't get me wrong like when I post some of my photos on Instagram or you know show other people oh my god like I'm obviously like it takes me ages to post anything because I'm just like oh I don't know I don't I don't know if I want the feedback on it or I don't know if it's any good or you know I'm still starting out with that and I have experienced massive amounts of anxiety in terms of my you know my work and my life and sometimes I struggle with photography you know I've got an eye condition that kind of caused me a lot of anxiety and probably nearly ended my career in TV really um, and a lot of anxiety came on the back of that so I struggle you know I don't find it as easy it takes me ages to edit it takes me ages to do anything really because it my anxiety and the anxiety the experience and the the confidence that I sometimes lack does debilitate me you know mm. but I think the passion and the drive and the that fire that I feel sometimes a lot of the time overrides that. Um, I'm still learning. I'm still, you know, I've, I've had therapy for it and, you know, done various alternative therapies, hypnotherapy, acupuncture, loads of stuff. But, you know, I think I'm just kind of finding myself now at 45 and just kind of now, I don't know, in comfortable shoes and just kind of like finding the right path I think mm-hmm. um and to see see where that takes me but you know it's not easy you know I still I still have to kind of fight that anxiety all the time even now like I'm still thinking about a shot that I missed four months ago <laughs> no one else is thinking about it on a live show you know just like it's gone but I still think about that stuff and I still give myself grief I'm my own worst critic in a lot of ways you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel, I feel incredibly grateful that there's the, like, I see it as like, because you keep on saying like that inner fire, that there's that fire Lindsay mm. that manages to push through that mm. and go to the audition to be a weather person. 
Yeah, even if it debilitates you into the point of not speaking, yeah, the fire's there. Yeah. <laughs> that's so interesting. That's like that's a that's a real battle, and it's like which one's going to win? Hmm. Which part of me is going to win? Is it going to be my passion, or is it going to be, is it going to be the anxiety? But it really sounds like, like I think I give yourself a lot of credit for feeling that discomfort mm. and the fear and the worry and the you know the self-criticism and then still going and doing it going ahead and doing it absolutely that's, that's like you said it's it can be debilitating mm, totally and I still think about that little Lindsay you know watching Grain Chill and whatever you know kind of yeah. stars in her eyes and just like oh yeah okay I have come a long way you know it might not have been the easiest path and, and still isn't but yeah, I, I think the fact that I do have that passion and I think that is, I think generally that is what gets people to, to positions that they want to be in is that fire. You know, it uh, it isn't necessarily, it shouldn't really necessarily be about qualifications or anything like that. It should be just about people's passions and just their commitment to something, you know, commitment yeah. to, to creativity. Yeah. Oh God, that's such a lovely way to round it off. <laughs> you think? I feel like I've rambled absolute shit. <laughs> really? Not yeah. one bit. Not at all. It's been really lovely. It's felt it's felt like quite a tender, gentle chat. Mm, okay. And I feel like it's been really lovely getting to know young Lindsay as well. <laughs> Because, you know, you don't get to meet your friends when they're kids. No, I guess you don't, no. No, so it's really not. lovely, unless you've known them all, all, all their life. But if you meet someone as an adult, it's really lovely to hear a bit more about who they were before, yeah. before they grew. Yeah, definitely, yeah. But, and I really, really appreciate that you've spoken as well about, like, about the kind of the mental health side of it and the anxiety, because mm -hmm. I think it's a really huge thing, especially doing the Say It Out Loud workshop and mm -hmm. talking to the women it's such a huge thing that so many women share and I think you know there's the danger of um I guess they call it toxic positivity of like you know just mm. just go for it just do it and mm -hmm. like they're definitely I think that is a really valuable kind of idea to cling on to but I think we need to also just really talk about the nuances of how debilitating how paralyzing mm -hmm that that you know that anxiety and that um imposter syndrome can be absolutely and the yeah. more we share about it the more we kind of go all oh, right so you feel that too and you feel that too okay so what the hell why why are we all feeling this you know yeah. when you think and i wonder i wonder how many you know we're talking about women specifically i think but um i'm sure other people you know experience imposter syndrome but i think it's really I think it's a really big problem within women. And I think, you know, it comes down to a lot of women not being told um, by their parents or people around them um, the same things that boys are when they're growing up. You know, boys are they can achieve anything and girls are supposed to be more caring or, you know, a bit more tender and not not kind of go for things in that same aggressive or, you know, it's classed as aggressive, but, you know, in that kind of forthright way, you know, and I think it's really important for, for women to talk about it because I, I wonder how many, how many women actually give up their dreams because of feeling like this and 
and don't get to the places that they want to be or you know not even giving up dreams but you know just say goodbye to creativity and become a you know kind of embrace motherhood more or you know life a bit more and and don't follow those creative paths because they just don't feel worthy or don't feel good enough or yeah don't have don't have other people around them that kind of you know uplift them in that way you know some of the communities that we've had experience with um and that that's really sad I think it's really really worrying and really sad that people wouldn't continue doing things that they really love because because they don't feel good enough or they feel like a fake you know yeah yeah completely and I get I think also you know I think it's interesting what you're talking about you know being a woman but also being a woman of color Mm. in an industry where you're not seeing yourself represented then that's gonna heighten that feeling understandably even more absolutely I mean I suppose you know even as a kid like and obviously that was in the 70s and 80s but there wasn't much representation we had like I don't know Fawella Benjamin and um I don't know who else was there um Um, the news reporter yes yes I can't remember Um, her name do you mean Moira Stewart? Moira Stewart. Yeah. Um, and and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Like, and they didn't really feel like me either. Like, there was no representation of, of me, you know. And as I'm a mixed race, as a mixed race person, there was not a lot of representation, you know, in a positive way, you know. Um, it, it was, diff- you know, it's difficult and... I don't know like what what do you strive for as a child if you don't see yourself around you know in in high profile jobs or or even on tv or whatever doing things that everybody else does what what does that what does that mean for a child what do you strive for um yeah I don't know it's 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 a difficult one really um and I think then, you know, what, what you did see more of was men in, in certain roles in TV and not women of colour. Um, and, yeah, even, you know, some of the roles in TV are still, you know, fixed to gender, not, not actually fixed to gender, but, you know, obviously there's a lot more female PAs or female makeup artists or, you know, but that is changing, you know. There's, there's a lot of male makeup artists, a lot of, you know, right. it, yeah, it, it is changing. But it's slow. It's so slow. Uh, but it's slow across the world. It's not just within those industries, you know. And I guess it's going to take generations, I suppose, mm-hmm. because then it's going to take another generation of people to see themselves represented in those roles to then grow up and go into those roles, you know, Absolutely. and see that it's possible. I mean, if I'd if I'd seen people like me, and I'm not just talking about a person of colour or a woman, but also somebody who represents a different kind of gender identity, I guess. Like I'm, I, you know, I I'm, I identify as female, and you know, but I'm a gay woman. I don't look like your typical woman, I guess. And 
if I'd seen or, or a typical woman that the t- TV suggests exactly yes what a woman should look like yeah. yeah absolutely and if I'd seen people represented in a positive way you know when I was younger I mean what could I have achieved what could everybody achieve if they see people that look like them on TV um and I think it's really important again there's obviously programs you know about gay people and you know all that all that kind of stuff but it's just so it's so so few and far between and so put in a box you know it's so like oh this is a gay program it's like right we need to see a bit of fluidity here we need to see a bit of mixture you know more gay people represented in in television in 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 every program and I know soaps are doing that and whatever but yeah it still feels what's the word um like a ticking box exercise um I think I think there just needs to be a bit more kind of what's the word Um, flooding yeah flooding everything Yeah. yeah yeah just and I don't mean you know I don't mean having I know a lot of on the back of Black um, Black Lives Matter, there was a lot of kind of um, the TV industry tried to do certain things. Uh, I'm not going to go too much into it, but it feels like all one way. And actually, what I was saying to my colleagues was, it's like, why does it have to be one way or another? Just like nobody wants that one way or the other it creates other problems you know what we actually want what everybody wants is equality you know the same you know the same amount of people represented you know of color as there are white people or you know like not this kind of massive necessarily flooding you know flooding one way just just like an integration like that's what we that's what everybody surely wants you know I don't know. There's so many different areas that we could talk about, but, you know, even down to, I don't know, Idris Elba being, you know, dubbed, you know, uh, what's the word? Um, possibly the next James Bond and people just in absolute outrage about it. It's like, why? Why? Like, I don't understand that. Um, but I do feel, I do feel like there's more programmes now I don't know whether I'm seeking them out a little bit more. Maybe, I don't know, maybe having these discussions is a good thing because people can think about that a little bit more, um, whether they think that there's more programmes of predominantly black actors or black writers or um, out there or whether I'm just seeking them out a bit more, I don't know. but I think there are, I've definitely noticed an increase. Mm. I think that, yeah, yeah. and it feels like it's, like there's been a couple of things on the BBC lately that have just kind of been billed as just a drama and yeah. it doesn't feel like it's not like black issues yeah. you know what I mean it's like it's just a story about people yeah totally and I think in the film industry as well there's um there's a, there's a like a, a multitude of new directors coming you know the, and they're fucking brilliant like you know if I if I had known um when I was at college that time you know along with Lynn Ramsey I'd seen a film by um 
uh, I can't remember fucking name now. Diverney. Um, can't remember her first name. Anyway, she's a she's a, a female director of colour, and there's a few women that are now mostly in America, which is disappointing. But you know, um, and you know, men of colour. You know, Steve McQueen is an outstanding director. Like he's amazing, um, and yeah, so. There is some really good stuff out there at the moment, but I, I, yeah, it'd be quite interesting to know whether I am seeking it out because that is quite disappointing, I guess. If I am seeking it out and kind of grabbing at the these the odd film, or whether they are actually more mainstream now, I don't know. I think about sometimes, you know, it, it does take longer. It has taken longer for black people to come up in the in the ranks and stuff but I'm also fully aware that you know I've got to where I've got to not that I'm a director or anything like that but you know like and I'm fully aware of my light privilege as well you know I would identify as a black person but my skin is a lot lighter and is that more palatable I don't know like is has that been easier for me in some ways you know I, I don't know. And and that's something I've become very aware of recently and kind of thinking about light privilege, you know, and on, on the back of, you know, Black Lives Matter, all the issues that we kind of faced um, a couple of years ago, like, it, well, that we've always experienced, but, you know, that came to light, you know, recently. And I just kind of become more aware of light privilege and as opposed to white privilege, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it it seems that it's now, I think it's always been a bit more palatable, hasn't it, in mainstream society, you know, mixed race people or lighter skinned black people within within film and TV and whatever. And actually now it's like people like Steve McQueen and Ava, Ava Duvernay, that's a name. <laughs> well Ava Duvernay, you know, there's there's people, you know, of all sorts of shades within their films and and TV programs and and rightly you know rightly fucking so like come on you know unfortunately my grandparents kind of passed away last last year so I'll never have that that Windrush story but hopefully I can get it through my dad's you know kind of some of it or you know maybe some of their friends and uh, older relatives or whatever but it, yeah, yeah I'm going to do it <laughs> I'm going to be going to do it <laughs> if I've learned anything it's going to be not to put stuff like that off you know yeah yeah stuff that's been on the back burner pull it mm-hmm. forward absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. And I'd like to do a bit more you know in terms of photography in that in that field as well I think you know yeah um I'd be really interested to see yeah because I think it's really hard as well I don't know there's not a lot of um there's not a lot of higher profile people in the mainstream photographers yeah. that are, that unless I just don't know about them, I don't know, but it doesn't seem as accessible to photographers that are solely photographing black skin in a way, you yeah. know, in the mainstream and yeah. just kind of an understanding that, you know, mm-hmm. um, obviously there's models and various other actors and whatever, but I just, I kind of like to see more of that in photography as well, I think. And yeah. I've kind of been thinking about a little project of my own in that way, but. 
We'll see. Yeah, that sounds that sounds intriguing. I really <laughs> know about that. <laughs> Brilliant. And if you like Java genuinely, like if you don't think this Lindsay, shut up. <laughs> I'm not even entertaining this bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, I don't know, I just, the imposter syndrome kicked in and just like, oh my God, why does Jan want to talk to me? Look at all these creative people that she's talked to. Like, I don't even have an Instagram presence. Like, what the fuck? Why does she want to speak to me? But yeah. um... You can find Lindsay's photography work on Instagram at allfromtheleftei where she shares her own unique way of seeing the world through her lens. Please refer to the show notes for links. Thank you so much for listening to On The Irregular. Please make sure you review and subscribe as it helps other listeners find us.